All right. Meeting the conditions. We're talk, we've been talking about God's abundance for, a, for quite a few weeks, probably uh, six weeks, four to six weeks now. And um, been talking about how God is an abundant God and how he desires to bless us in every way. God desires to bless us in every way. God is a blessing God. And, um, you know, everything around us seems just the opposite. Seems like the economy is going down. Seems like the morals are going down. Everything is going down. But God says, if we will do our part, he will do his part. I don't think that the fault is on God. I think the fault is on us. So I want to encourage you as we're looking at these conditions, don't, don't just, don't leave here just saying that was good. You know, uh, yeah, but no, uh, we, we've got to apply and I was, I was driving to Nashville today to go to uh, Vanderbilt Hospital. And I've got a Kindle. I don't know if you, anybody's ever seen one of these, but it's an electronic book. And I figured out how to make it read it read to me while I was driving down the road. I had it in my headphones, and it was reading the Bible to me. And I, I wished I could have pulled that out. I was, I'm, in, I'm in April 6th and 7th in the one-year Bible. But in the Old Testament, it talked about what we're responsible for. And it said we're not responsible for the mysteries of God that we don't know. We're responsible for what he has given us, which is his word. That's what we're responsible for. You know, uh, Pastor Rob has come on with us this week. Uh, Yesterday was his first day. And a lot of what we're trying to figure out is what are you responsible for? It's a question that he asks and a question that I ask. And I I think that it's a question that we need to ask as Christians and as husbands and as employees, employees, what are we responsible for? And are we fulfilling that? Now, I don't have that for you. I don't have that scripture. I don't have my one year and, and it'll take me too long to find it. But it was revelation to me. And I'm driving down the road thinking, how effective really is this? Is this really, does this really count as me reading my Bible today? Because I'm multitasking. I am driving down the road. I got my phone in one ear and I got my headphones in the other. And I'm sure it's a real safe situation going down the road, you know. And, but I'm thinking, you know, I'm hearing God's word. And all of a sudden, things that had not jumped out at me was jumping out at me into my ears. Now, faith comes by hearing. Then I started to think, do I need to be reading my Bible out loud? And I'm like, well, no, I don't think I need to. But I think there is something to hearing. And I'm driving down the road and I'm kind of getting numb to it a little bit. And then all of a sudden it starts sinking in. Telling you the word of God will change your life. But he said, you're not responsible for the things that you can't understand. The things that I haven't revealed to you. But the things I have revealed to you. You're responsible for. It doesn't say if, if, if you're not reading your Bible, we'll just we'll just count that as not being responsible. No, I've provided I've provided my word for you. You're responsible to get in it. And I believe that when we get in it, we don't know the fullness yet that God's mercy kicks in. But we've got to get in it and we've got to walk it. If my people who are called by my name, if then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sins and I will heal your land. Now, is God faithful or is he not? Then where is the problem? The problem is in the if. Not in the then. 
We have a right to ask for the then when we meet the if. We have no right to ask for the then if we don't meet the if. (laughs) People listening to this on the tape is going to be going, what? (laughs) Do you get it? When we have a right, God even expects us to let him know, hey, your word says this. Moses said, wait a minute, don't kill them. Don't kill them. They're your people. And what did God do? He saved them. God responds to our cry. But we got to cry. We've got to speak and we've got to walk. We've been looking at how God, it's God's desire to provide for us abundantly if we will meet his conditions. Jesus, he gave up his benefits. He gave up everything that he had. He took the curse that we deserved, which was due to us, that we might receive the blessing. That we might receive what was due to Jesus by his perfect obedience. We saw from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, and Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, that there are three important principles governing the way that we receive abundance of God's grace and allowing us to be blessed in all things. You know, number one, grace cannot be earned. We can't earn it. And it can, second, it can only come through one channel, and that's Jesus Christ. And then finally, the only way to appropriate it is by faith. How can you have faith if you're not in the Word? You can't. How can you please God if you don't have faith? You can't. This is the channel. This is the spout that we are to receive from. The primary way that we hear from God is by His Word. I I would say I hear 99.9% of the way that the, the Lord speaks to me is through my Bible reading. He does speak to me in other ways, 99.9%. That's maybe a stretch, 90%. But he speaks to me every day. Every single day. Now, not every day. I have a system. I read four days. And I read two days, four days. I got issues. But I read eight days a week. It's a Beatles song. That way I I catch up one day every week and I stay ahead. But I work Monday through Thursday and I read two days. (laughs) She's going to tell me to be quiet. So the Lord speaks to me two days, two times. (laughs) I double up. Mercy. Mercy. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. Come on. Somebody laugh. Don't get religious on me. Get in the Word. I'm in the Word. No, it's not two. Yeah, that's right. Two days, four days, two times, four days a week. (laughs) Not two days a week. Oh, 
I'll take it up with God when I get there. I feel pretty good about my reading schedule. <laughs> Judge your... No, no, I'm kidding. Anyway. All right. But we fail to realize that God's grace includes the financial and the material. We need stuff. We need milk. We need electricity. How many got their electricity bill last month and said a few hallelujahs and a few other things? Glory to God. Now, now, now just go fill up your gas tank. A couple more hallelujahs. Hallelujah, Lord. You got the cattle on a thousand hills. I need provision to get gas in my tank, and you are my provision. Gas can go to $10 a gallon, and the Lord can provide. Let somebody else come up short, not me. I'm yours, and I meet the if. I'm going to meet the if, Lord. You meet the then. I can't, I can't base my life and my walk with you based on the gas prices. God's testing a lot of people right now. Do you think of the Lord when you get gas? <laughs> got a, he, there's no need in heaven. And he's just waiting to release his treasures to his people. I want to meet it. I want to be in your word and I want to meet it. That's not, that's not, the, that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is not me paying all my bills. The ultimate goal is the Lord and my relationship to Him and me pleasing Him. The reward is the meeting my need. The reward is getting breakthrough when there is no hope of breakthrough. The reward is my kids coming through things that normally kids don't come through. The reward is this church and people getting healed and people having breakthrough and marriages coming together. and That's the reward. The gravy. We looked last time. I've not gotten anywhere so far. Here we go. Conditions. Five conditions. We looked last time. Hey, wasn't pear and rice just phenomenal? It was so good. I still ponder back on that message. It was so good. It was so good. Go back and listen to it online if you, if you haven't heard it. But what are the conditions? Do you remember number one? Number one is our motives and attitude has to be right. Our motives, you know what? Our heart's got to be right. It's wrong to make wealth our God. It's not our God. We make wealth our God, it'll run out. It'll dry up. It's wrong to seek wealth by unethical means. It's wrong to trust in wealth. This is all from last time. It's wrong to use our wealth selfishly. And finally, we should not fail to share materially with the poor. You want breakthrough, give, give a little bit away. This is a complete side note. And I don't, we've got a basketball team of, of uh, uh, the oldest kids should be the, the stars. And, you know, when they play individually, we can't win. But when they play as a team, no one can stand against us. Nobody. It's unbelievable when, when a child plays selfishly. In fact, it makes them look self, selflessly. It makes them look like a better player. When we are selfless, the Lord sees value. The Lord sees a person that needs to be exalted. When we see selfish, 
the Lord sees someone who needs to be humbled. If you've ever seen a player make a great pass to a player that's wide open, that needs it, that's sitting there wide open, you know, can you get that image at Walmart and you see somebody that's absolutely hurting and you make a pass at 10 bucks? Just say, just be blessed by this. The Lord told me to give you this. Now be blessed with it. And walk off. Take your assist and get out of the way. Let the Lord find you and overtake you. Second condition. Faith. Everybody say faith. For receiving God's abundance, the second condition is faith. We've already seen that abundance is a part of the provision made for us by the grace of God. But like every provision of grace, it can only be received by faith. We can never overemphasize the importance of faith. It is the primary indispensable requirement for the Christian life. Look right here at Romans. But the righteous man shall live by faith. You know, we easily say this. It's such a coined word as a Christian, but that means the righteous man lives by believing for what he can't see. The righteous man lives based on knowing that God's going to provide when it looks like there is no way. This word faith has become such just a, you know, a, a pillar word, and it should but has it lost its effectiveness in the church? The righteous man lives without being able to see where the, where the source is going to come, but he believes and knows it's going to come because he knows God's word. The righteous man shall live by knowing God's word and believing it's going to produce when everything else would say it won't. Every area of righteousness, righteous living must be based on faith. And this applies as much to our finances as any other area of our life. Now catch, catch this scripture. Romans 14, 23. Whatever is not from faith is sin. That's a toughie. Whatever is not from faith. When we handle our money in an unbelieving way, the results lead us to, to sinfulness. What is that greediness, stinginess, withholding from God what is rightfully His? The whole way that we dispose of our money must be based in faith. Faith acts in obedience to God's word without waiting to see the promised reward. And this applies to our finances. Jesus says, give, and it will be given to you. Give. Do you know when you give that 20, when you don't have enough to make it yourself, you are trusting that God is going to replenish that. This hurts, Lord. This hurts, but I can feel you telling me to give this right here. That's Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. But when we, when we act in faith, we give first. 
receiving follows in God's time. If we wait until we can afford it, we're not giving in faith. Please. Thought you were putting your sunglasses on. I'm putting my sunglasses on because it's a bad hair day and it's really out of control. So, anyways, that might have made it worse. But I I have a testimony because um, when Paul and I were really in financial, um, we were really struggling financially. We we didn't have any extra money. We we didn't have an extra five dollars. You know, you budget and you realize you can pay your bills, but there is absolutely nothing left over. And we were in that place. And um, the the Lord would tell me that there's a scripture in Exodus, and I wish I could I wish I could tell you the verse, but it says, "Give from what you have, um, give give from what you have, and what's in your hand, what's in your hand." And so, um, anyways, during this time, um, I ha- I would we always operated on cash because you know you're trying to come out of your money problems, and you've listened to Dave Ramsey, and you know the right thing to do, so you're you're using cash for everything, so you don't overspend. So I always had all these little envelopes of cash, which honestly I still do. But the Lord would speak to me and tell me to give like $10 to some random person at Dollar General. And I would, I, I, it would infuriate me because it would be my last $10, you know, or it would be the $10 that I had put back for something else. And I can't tell you how many times that would happen to me. And um, whenever I would obey and, and walk in faith and do it, I always got such a blessing out of it. And I can remember one time in particular that um, I had a friend that had five children, and her husband was in college, and that I don't know how they were making it, but they were barely making it. And um, our kids were in school together. And I remember the Lord woke me up and said, give her $35. And I thought, well, I don't have $35 Um, I do, but you know, it's for something else and it's for groceries and you know, I got to do this. And he said, give her $35. And I did not want to give her $35. And besides that, I thought, why would you give somebody $35? What an odd number of dollars to give was. So I, um, decided I would be obedient and, um, I wrote a note to her and, and I just said, I feel like the Lord wants for you to have $35. I'm supposed to give you $35. And I just encouraged her in love, you know, isn't that encouraging that you're on the Lord's mind and he wants you to have this money because he's put you on my heart and, and I sealed it up and I just put it in her child's backpack. And I want you to know, she called me back and you were very good, by the way, to let me just, you know, Hey, I think I'm supposed to give this money when we didn't really have it. And She called me later that day, and she said, you are never going to believe this. And she said, but at the YMCA, they give me a reduced rate for the kids to play soccer. And I couldn't even pay the reduced rate. And she said, I was to the point where they weren't going to be able to play. And I needed to sign up today. And I didn't have the money today. And she said, and... There's this little snow cone shop that went in, and the kids have begged me to go. And it was going to cost her like $2 to take her kids or like two fifty. And she said, and I just didn't have the cash. And she said, I want you to know I had enough money to pay that soccer bill and to go buy every one of my kids a little snow cone. 
And she said, you know, that just delighted them. And that they had prayed. They had prayed for that. And you know what I thought? Is I thought, God, how faithful are you that I get to be a part of, I get to be a part of that. And that blessed me more than if somebody had handed me a $100 bill that day for myself. Because I got to know that I heard the Lord. I heard the Lord. And I walked in obedience. And she was so blessed. And it was an answer to her prayer, to a mama's prayer that I, that I obeyed. And so I would encourage you, as you sit here and listen to this and think, Lord, have mercy, I'm not going to give $10 to some random person. But it was usually random people for me. That just happened to me. My friend and I got encouragement from it. Anyway, praise God. Amen. Well, you know, I know we all have that thought of there are people that are hurting worse, you know, than for their kids to play soccer. But God wants for your kids to play soccer. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not talking about soccer. But he wants to give you the desires of your heart. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that, that I've got a, uh, a wife that hears the Lord. Uh, give and it will be given to you. Press down, shaken together and running over. And in the same measure that you give. That measure will be measured back to you. We can never be too poor to give. On the contrary, part of the remedy for poverty is beginning to give in faith. When the widow gave her last two mites to the Lord, Jesus praised her for it. He did not rebuke her for being extravagant or unrealistic or she didn't she needed that money. No, she gave it. We've already mentioned the laws that govern the utilization of money that are similar to those that apply to, in the realm of, of agriculture and planting seeds. But Paul brings this out in Second Corinthians chapter nine, and he's speaking to Christians here about the way that they should give their money to the work of the people of the Lord. Paul says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Paul here compares giving to sowing and receiving to reaping. And he's telling us that if we want to reap, we've got to sow. Let me tell you, giving to that person at Dollar General is sowing. We want to think the only sowing is giving to the offering bucket. No, that's a, that's a small way to give. We just get to come in here once or twice a week. You've got opportunities to sow all the time. And it's not just your finances. Every time the... Uh, catch this. Every time the farmer sows his field, he's sowing in faith. In the natural... Do y'all get that? 
He's sowing knowing that this seed's going to go on the ground is going to come out. Can you imagine sowing your finances into somebody's life or into the church knowing you're going to get a return? I know I am. The same way as I know that when I put seed in the ground that it's going to bring forth fruit. You don't have a problem planting tomato seeds and expecting tomatoes to come out. But we've got a problem sowing our finances into God's kingdom and expecting a return. It is no different. Giving and receiving, those two things going together is no different than sowing and reaping. That's a good word for somebody. But we've got to take it one more step farther. Sowing is not random scattering. You know, if we were to go down Jefferson Avenue and take tomato, tomato plant, tomato seeds, and throw them out on Jefferson, we ain't getting no tomatoes. Pardon my French, Elizabeth hates it when I use the word ain't, but we ain't. We can throw them right here in this carpet. It's good carpet. It's a good place, anointed place. God's presence is here, but we ain't getting no tomatoes. We've got to choose the best soil. We've got to make the best preparation. We've got to choose the right time and we've got to sow the best seed. That is how we should handle our finances, both individually and collectively. We should select the best investment for the extension of God's kingdom. We should make prayerful consideration and preparation. We should carefully follow the principles laid down in God's word, and we should give our best. We should do everything in our power to secure the maximum return on our investment. We don't want to take our money and put it in some pie-in-the-sky stock that's going to go belly up or that's going to steal from whatever. That's, that's not good soil. We want it in good soil. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, everybody knows this scripture. But catch this right here. Let's read it real quick, and I'll close. I'm, it's Well, shoot. I can get done. Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, in what way have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try or prove me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing such that there will be not enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in your field, says the Lord of hosts. And, and all nations will call you blessed. Pastor, you've, you've crossed over. You have gone from talking about God's abundance to tithing and you snuck that in really sneaky. No, it's the key to the blessing. It's not the only key, but it's a key. It's the only place God says, just try me, test me on this. Why, is he, why does he have to say that? 
because he knows how we are with our money. Nowhere else does he say, try me on this. He just expects us to believe him. But when it comes to our money, we, we have to be given another step. I know it's hard, people, but just try it. The same way as you go out here and you till up a good piece of property and put seed in, you will get a return. The same way, test me in this. See that I won't pour out for you such a blessing, that there won't be room enough to receive it. And that's going to be in the Walmart line. The Lord's going to say, right there. Go give it right there. Try me in this and see that I won't pour out for you such a blessing. The points from this scripture are significant. Number one, unfruitfulness in handling our finances brings a curse. It's part of the curse from which Christ offers us deliverance. But also, number two, as always in scripture, faith is essential. Where do we see faith? Try me. Try me now in this. It's going to take faith for you to do this. Try me in this. We are required to bring our tithes before we receive the promised blessing. This passage offers us no other way in which to qualify for this blessing that he's talking about in Malachi chapter 3. We've got to sow. And then finally, the act of faith that God requires is in the material realm. And the blessing he promises is the same in the material realm. You know, I've been in, I've been in prayer meetings where people say, Lord, open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. It sounds good sometimes, but this blessing doesn't come by praying. It comes by tithing. We can pray all day long over our finances, but if we don't meet the if, get the seed in the ground. Sow into somebody's life. Go to Samaritan's Purse. You don't have $10 to give to somebody at, at a Safeway or whatever. Is there a Safeway? You save, save? Do we save a lot? Go to Samaritan's Purse. Give some of yourself. See that he won't pour out such a blessing that there won't be room enough to receive. All right, stand up with me and let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I ask you right now that, Lord, as Elizabeth just did it, she testified. What does testifying do? It overcomes. We overcome Satan. Let us speak your word. Let us speak it in faith. Lord, we're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We are the lender, not the borrower. Lord, I speak that in faith. I speak that in faith. And Lord, I'm going to try my best to go out of here this Wednesday night and on to walk righteously. Follow after you. Find out what your word says and try my best to fulfill that. And then I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus for mercy when I fall down and get scrapes on my knees 
And I'm going to get back up and I'm going to praise you and I'm going to keep coming after you. And Lord, as I keep coming after you, Lord, you come and you find me and you overtake me with your blessing. But regardless of the blessing, I'm coming after you. Because I believe tomatoes will come up if I plant them. And Lord, I believe your blessing will come if I will sow into your kingdom. If I will sow my life, myself, my marriage, my finances, my kids, my job into you, you are going to bless it. The same way those tomatoes will come up. I just praise you and I worship you. And Lord, we just give you all the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you Sunday morning.